0: Hi there, and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, the senior pastor. And wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on, and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message, and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So this morning, uh, my message I've entitled, in line with our theme, the Year of the Table. By the way, I cannot believe that since we said that theme, that everywhere I'm going, they're talking about the table. Yesterday, uh, Sue was watching Color in New South Wales and Women's Conference, and they're getting up talking about coming to the table, the table. It was just like, what? It's just like on and on and on. And somebody has just given me what Darlene check posted. I'm going to read that to you in a minute in line with my message today. She did that yesterday, I think. And uh, I'm, it's just on and on and on that the Lord is affirming. This is what I'm saying right now. I can't believe it. I'm watching other churches. I'm like, what? They're doing this whole table theme. It's like, yeah, it's just like, it could be faith. It could be anything, you know, but it's this table theme. So I really believe this is God's word to you. God's word to you and to me. And if we get it, I believe it's all about God taking us to a new level of life and a new level of Christian living. You're not yet a Christian? Yay! End of this service. You're going to get an opportunity to be included in a prayer to receive Christ. Can I encourage you? No greater miracle than receiving Jesus Christ into your life. I'm not from a Christian background and did that 40 years ago. So glad I did. Changed my whole life, and everything that the enemy would have done with me got broken as I started to follow the Lord. So I'm entitled my message today: the worshiping table. Be- the worshiping table, because God wants us to gather as a church family and Friday night, oh my gosh, it was a party in the foyer. Anybody here Friday? There was a party right round. I hope you're enjoying all the new area. All the rest of the furniture's just arrived, so got all the furniture. But they had a party out here, a party over here, and I want to encourage you, what we want to do is have connections, you know, at a cafe, at Malaloo Beach, in a park, bring a blanket, cup of soup, you know, sandwich, whatever it is, you know. It doesn't have to be anything salubrious, but it's the gathering of God's people together, And in doing that, I'm believing that God's going to do miracles to us. But as we come to the table, let's come because we're worshipers of Jesus. And when you come and you bring something to other people and you're a worshiper of God, you actually bring something of God to the table, which is so powerful. Psalm 95 says this, New King James Version, says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Amen. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout again joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God. The Lord is the great God. And the great King above all gods. All the little small G ones that we come up with. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are also His. The sea is His, for He made it. And His hands form the dry land. O come, everybody, let what? Us. Worship and bow down. Let us, once again, not individual, it's together. Hello, community. Let the community kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Wow, so the Bible's encouraging us, let's worship God. He made it all, he created it all, he created you and I. And as we worship him and as we come together together, I want to tell you something powerful breaks out in the lives of a believer, but also in the lives of a church when they come together and worship our mighty God, by the way, who is worthy of all our worship. You know, um, if you think you don't worship, I'm not a worshiper. I've never been that person. I want to tell you, you're wrong. All people are worshiping something. All people are worshiping something. Some people are living for achievement and they worship achieving. If I keep achieving and I like my achievement and people reward me for my achievement and they tell me I'm great, then that is good. Some people will worship achievement and success and uh, what they see as success. But ultimately, uh, it ends up controlling you, particularly if you fail. So aiming for that will control you. But if you fail, it can be soul destroying and ultimately it will be unfulfilling so, all of us are designed to have meaning in our lives by the way we 're meant to have meaning we 're meant to live with meaning we 're meant to discover the gifts and talents god 's put in us, but then we 're meant to bring those gifts and talents to God who gave them it 's like you 're giving a return to God, God you gave them to me, and I return them to you that 's why you see around the world everybody if you see worshipers uh, so you see singers and musicians around the world, many of them the world lifts up to and they give them incredible status but many of those musicians and singers will struggle and so many of them have ended up ending their lives early or they've left the planet early because they were never meant to contain the worship of people no singer no musician was ever meant to contain the worship of people but if the singer and the musician doesn't understand that it actually ends up becoming destructive and they don't know why am i destroying my life it's because you were never meant to contain the worship of people all worship from humans is meant to go to god so we're meant to have meaning, and when we worship God and we walk with Him, can I tell you, you're going to have new joy in your life that you never had before. But you need to know everybody is living for something. Everyone is living for something. Whatever you are living for will direct your life. It'll lead your life. It'll be the orientation of your life It will set your course. Uh, but I want to say to you, we have to be very careful because... What uh, we are giving our life to, what we worship in actual fact, actually can have control over us, and it can be a very hard taskmaster. But you're living for something. What directs you? What drives you? What orientates you? What takes your time? All of that is an indicator of what you're worshiping. If you live for the acceptance of other people, which a lot of people do, a lot of people, their little small g God is other people accepting me and liking me. If other people accept me and like me, then I'm good, then I'm happy. But that's actually your worship. I'm worshiping the acceptance of people. And that often flows out of insecurity and fear. And the Bible teaches us that the fear of man is a snare. What's a snare? A snare is a trap. If you want to be trapped in your mind and your emotions, then be controlled by what people think of you. It will snare you and control you. So we are not meant to be controlled, and we are certainly not meant to be worshipping things, which some people do. Some people worship money. They worship money. And uh, the Bible talks about people who worship money and they're greedy. It says they pierced themselves with many wounds. they got many wounds from money being the controlling, guiding thing in their life. So we all have ascribed worship to something. Everybody here is worshipping something. There's not one person who's not worshiping. We're all worshiping something, but it's what is it that we're worshiping? Some people are worshiping, as I said, uh, the praise of people. That's huge. Other people are worshiping guys or girls. That's huge. Other people are worshiping, as I said, the money, the gold, but also to glory. Some people are like their whole life is worshiping that people might give me honor and glory. Uh, You know, on Instagram, you'll see people, they're obsessed with their look. And a lot of them sometimes that's because they're making a lot of money out of it. So I kind of understand that too. But some people are on there because they're obsessed. This is their worship. I'm worshiping self in the hope that others also would join me at the altar and worship me too. And we need to be very careful because if you worship beauty, if you worship your beauty, as you age, your unhappiness meter will only but rise. A lot of people worship beauty in this age. Oh my goodness. Now, you should be healthy. You should aim for that. If you want to look good, that's a fantastic thing. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm not talking about being healthy and looking good. This is about people actually worshipping how they look. And in this culture right now, we've made it the God, the God of how you look. So aging for people who have made their look everything is terrible, terrifying, and uh, it'll make you unhappy. Because you're never going to be 20 again if you're 40 or 50 or 60. You're never going to be that again. So what we need to say is, Lord, help me not to get caught up in this never-ending quest to appear young and worshiping that. Help me, Lord, to worship you. But everyone is living to worship something. And uh, I want to tell you there's no things on earth that are worthy of your worship. Listen, there's not a person on earth worthy of your worship. There's not a thing on earth worthy of your worship. There's nothing. There's no money. Nothing is worthy of your worship but God, only God. And I think if I told you years ago, a girl in the London church, when we were there, and she had a big contract with Sony at the time and I was flying back to London with a couple of people from Sydney and she said hey meet in LA because I have got invites to the club the place oh my goodness and she said I've got it for five people you guys can come I was like oh nice so (laughs) LA it was the place to go to and I'll never get going in a couple of my friends with this girl who gave us the kind invitation and I was like oh my gosh this is the place She said, right now on the earth, in Los Angeles, this is the place of the whole world. And I went and went, oh my gosh, how average is this? I'd never seen so much pumping and Botoxing in my life. (laughs) And I saw all people trying to be worshipped by the crowd and struggling with unhappiness deeply. Lovely people who God loves. But I was like, I went there and I felt like, man, the atmosphere of stress and unhappiness but trying to be cool and then she comes up to me and says how is it i said yeah it's nice because it had no effect on me because i'm like it's not about how you look it's not about how cool you are it's about your heart it's about your life so we don't get caught up in that stuff and uh you know martin luther king jr who right now has been brought out again particularly in america but they don't bring out often what Martin Luther King Jr. said, which is he said, I, I'm hoping one day his dream was to see a nation and people who no one was judged by the color of their skin or by what they did or didn't do. He said, I pray that we'd be judged by the content of, our, content of our character. So he pointed out the most important thing that we need to be thinking about is not how we look or the color of our skin, but the content of our character. So everybody's worshipping God. So everybody's worshipping, sorry. Everybody's worshipping. But here's the question. Why worship God? Why should you worship God? You might say, why should I be a, a Christian and worship God? I've got the answer for you. Because I've been out in the world. I've been out in sin. I was out in my broken family. I've been in the clubs. I've been there. And I discovered why we need to worship God. Because he's the only person and the only thing in the universe that will not distort your life. Why should we worship God? Why do you need to worship God and not things or money or people? Because he's the only person, he's the only thing in the universe that will not distort who you are. Distort your life. Everybody who's worshipped other things, your life gets distorted. You lose who you were. I meet people in the world, they think they're so cool. I'm sleeping around with everybody. I'm taking drugs. I'm at all the clubs. And you look, when I'm with them, I'm like, you're not who you are. You've become something the world and your pain has made you to be. And you can't even see now that the level of your distortion has so blinded you, you don't even know who you are anymore. So whatever the world throws at you, then they try and become it. So God doesn't want to distort you. He wants to bring the real you alive he wants to bless the real you and then he wants you to be free so that you're not limping in life a lot of people are limping along in life with all the pain from worshipping all these things that we worship rather than from worshipping him but i want to tell you god wants to not have you limping along in life if you hang around <laughs> how did sue and i get a new life how do we end up being pastors we were here when you all went went we were still here when you decided to do it your way. How did I end up in leadership? We were still here when everybody else said, oh, I'm going to go do my thing. Sue and I were just like, well, nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Sue and I hung around. Then God begins to heal you, transform you, and then use you. But you got to not hang on the fringe, by the way. you got to hang in the middle. So, So worship which the old english used to say worship is that you would give your honor the highest honor you could to that which was worthy worship so we are honoring god at global heart church and and in our lives as individuals we're honoring god because he's the only one who we acknowledging is truly worthy of our worship you know self help groups may be good Some people get into groups and they're trying to help one another. That can be a good thing. Not always, but can be. But ultimately, you won't be satisfied. You wish people do self-help groups, you know, yoga in the heat, yoga in the cold, (laughs) whatever we do, getting with this group, that group. Ultimately, we won't be satisfied because we don't realize that in actual fact, until I do what I'm designed to do, which is worship God, I won't be whole. So if you're saying, well, I don't worship, here's a thought. Recognize where you have already assigned your money. Your money is a clue to what you worship. Amazon.com is the God of many now. Look to where your money goes. Where does your money go? Relationships. Where are your relationships? You want to know what you worship? where's your money where's your relationships here's a big one time time i get people over 40 years of being a christian 33 in ministry people saying oh pastor i'm just so busy i'm just so busy i have never met a person who's going forward in their life not be busy and it's almost as if they're saying to me i'm so busy but you're not look people i'm going to tell you now i'm a lot busier than most people in this building trying to do what we're doing and do it around the world right but here's what I do when I'm worship if you're worshipping God then you recognize my priorities need to change so he's first so when it comes to God when I look at my time I go I'm not busy because you're first church and God is never for me cuz I'm busy no 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 it's priority it's priority. It's changing everything else that takes my time. And, and I go, hang on, this is not, I'm not busy for God and church. It's Him who I worship, and He loves His house. So my priority is Him. And then His people, and everything else is flowing from that. So if you want to go, what am I worshiping? Look at your relationships, look at what you do with your money. Look what you do with your time, and you'll find out what you worship. Everybody there? You're all there right now? Have you discovered what you worship? Because when you discover what you worship, then it helps you to go, hang on, I might need to make an adjustment because ultimately anything we worship outside of God will leave us unfulfilled. Luke 24:52 says the early church, they came and they worshiped him. Then the believers were returning to Jerusalem, and then when they returned, they returned with great joy. Worshiping together, God brought about great joy. Listen, there is a joy the world can give, but there's a, a joy the world doesn't understand because there's a joy you can only get from worshiping God. Actively worshiping God is the only thing that will change you, heal you, free you, and ultimately fulfill you. I'm getting the CD of this. I like this. Actively worshiping God is the only thing that will change you. All of us need change. I need change. Don't stop changing. I want to, be, I want to grow in life. The only thing that will heal you, actively worshiping God, will heal you. It will free you and ultimately fulfill you in Jesus' name. So we need to like reassign the value of our worship from things and people to God. and every act of worship is healing yourself and pulling yourself off those things that are trying. Well, they may not look like it, but it's freeing yourself and pulling yourself away from those things that actually will distort who God's calling you to be. I could go to church and be saved. I could just go to church, you know, like time to time and be saved, and nothing else is happening in my life in regards to the call of God. I can just go to church time to time, be saved, and uh and be going to heaven but i had to move things in order to be in the call of god and then the call of god then took me to eastern europe then took us to planet church in london which has gone on having a big effect when there's three of us who went uh, me and sue and three others then to be impacting what we're doing now all of that is requiring me to go lord help me to worship you from your house so that the call of God for me as a believer is not distorted. You can be in church and be distorted and be a Christian every week. You can be in church and be distorted as a Christian. You're saved. But there's a distortion to the fact that you never address, what's the call of God for my life? What is it? Am I in it? I can tell you right now, everybody... I'm telling you right now, I know that I'm in the call of God. What I'm doing in Melbourne, what I'm doing in Zambia, what we're doing as a church in Germany, what, when God brought me to Perth, what I'm doing with other churches, what we're doing with missions, helping compassion, I am in the call of God. The devil has not distorted the call of God. But I could have fully allowed it and gone to church and be saved. Because I would have been secretly worshipping other things. My time. My time. I get, some, I get quiet time. But the healing comes when I say, Lord, it's your time. Thank you that I got breath this morning when I woke up. Thank you, Lord, I woke up and I breathed today. A lot of people around the world woke up and didn't breathe today. Did you know that? People in Australia, across the nation, woke up today, no breath, left the planet, But I'm still here, so Lord, help me to worship you. And thank you, Lord, the devil cannot distort my life as I continue to to walk into your plan and purpose and worship you and worship you from the family of God. So if if you're becoming a worshiper of God, then you begin to change where your heart looks. When I become a worshiper of God and hear him alone, then where my heart was looking i car houses people girls things the world my heart went from there to there there was an adjustment of where my heart was looking i was now looking to kingdom things and to god and those things were if god wants to add anything to me he will add it to me but my heart is now focused on him some people say well i just have my own spirituality I have my own one. Even some Christians do this. We like to design our own God. We like to design our own God. I like the God I like. You can be a Christian who never reads your Bible and design a God you think that you would serve. <laughs> Rather than go, what does the Bible say about the God of the Bible? So we like to design our own God. We pick and choose. Some of us have, you know, you can be a Christian who's... A, I like a bit of New Age in my God. I like a bit of Shinto in my God. I like a bit of Buddhism in my God. A little bit of Hinduism thrown in there too. (laughs) Or whatever else. And we design a God that fits us. And we throw out anything that we don't like that the Bible might say. Everybody, anything we design, anything you design, is a cardboard cutout. It's not real. It's not real. And ultimately... It is unfulfilling. I read a powerful story from C.S. Lewis this week, just in line with relationships, because I'm talking about the worshiping table, but all of it flows with the body of Christ doing it together. It's not individuals, it's doing it together. And C.S. Lewis, who was that incredible literary genius, Oxford Don, and who would Just, you know, hang out with some of the most high intellect people there were. He had two long friends in Oxford who, long-term friends, sorry, who he absolutely loved. And they were, you know, I don't think they were as smart as him, but they were very smart. And then one day, his really good friend, he had two, Charles and Ronald. They were his closest friends. So C.S. Lewis, who was an atheist and came to Christ incredibly and became such an insightful, insightful Christian, he said that when his great friend Charles Williams suddenly died, he thought, well, at least I've got Ronald. Charles has died, but at least I've got Ronald. And now I can have Ronald in a way because Charles has gone to myself. I'll have my other best friend to myself. And so in the sadness, and he was extremely sad about losing Charles, he thought, well, at least I'm going to have Ronald, and I'm going to have Ronald to me- himself. He said over time that... He began to realize that there were certain things in Ronald that only Charles brought out. And he realized, hang on, I'm not getting the fullness of Ronald. What is going on? And he began to realize, hang on, I'm not getting the fullness of Ronald because it was Charles who brought out that side of him. It was Charles who brought out that facet of him. It was Charles who brought out that humor, that intellect in that side of him. And C.S. Lewis was like, oh my gosh, No one person can draw out the fullness of you and you cannot draw out the fullness of someone else. You cannot draw out the fullness of your children, though we try. You cannot draw out the fullness of your partner, though we try. No, it's in community that we draw out the fullness of each of us. So he said, this is telling us that we will never really know God unless we're in a worshiping community. You will never know the fullness of God. You'll only see an aspect of Him. But somebody else will bring another aspect of God. Another facet of God will come through somebody else. You'll never know the fullness of God. And you'll also never know the fullness of your brothers and sisters and what they would have brought to your life unless you're in community. You know, yesterday I had a look at... Um, diamonds just felt to look up diamonds anybody like diamonds who would like a diamond right now i see that hand i see that hand i see that hand you know um i was thinking about the antiques roadshow which all the british watch we're all the british (laughs) some of the aussies watch it as well but antiques roadshow and you'll see people right from time to time And you'll see, uh, I saw a lady, and she she got given an old tin. I can't remember if it was a ring or a brooch or whatever it was, but the old tin her mother had, the grandmother had the old tin, and she just kind of had it in the back room. And when she brought in the brooch or the diamond ring, whatever it was, I can't remember, she said to them, you know, to value it. When they valued it, they were like, oh, my gosh. And they were like, this is engraved with this. And they told the woman the ring was something like 50,000 pounds. She's got an old tin in the back room. She's familiar with it. She's familiar with it. Everybody, many times the gems are around us, the diamonds are around us. The diamond in God's house is around you, but you have put them into the old tin of your thinking. Some of us, we have an old tin, our thinking is our old tin. So I consign people to the old tin of my thinking. Then her, gran- her mother and grandmother consigned the diamond to the old tin. And then she finds out it's 50,000 pounds. Well, it changed her life. And what's interesting is when I looked up the diamonds, like how do they know the difference between a zirconia, the fake one, and the real one? What's the difference? I did not know this. Found it out yesterday. Love it. Because it's helping my message today. So I really love it. <laughs> but do you know how they tell the difference between a zirconia and a real diamond is they look at the colors They look at the refraction of light, the texture. But here is the biggie. This is the real kicker. When they look at a zirconia, the fake one, synthetic one, or the real one, they are looking for imperfections in the stone. The real diamond, when they have the magnifying glass, they will see imperfections in it. And the fake diamond is clear. It's the zirconia. It's the manufactured one. So it's actually the opposite of what you would think. The real diamond is imperfect, and the fake diamond looks perfect. Some of us are looking for the people in our Christian walk who look perfect, but are fake. When God says the real diamonds are around you, in your home group, connect group, church family, girls night out. Guys, night out. Rise and stand. But they're imperfect. But that imperfect person who I have in community with you, who you keep consigning to the old tin of your mind, is causing you not to receive the incredible gem that I'm trying to bring to you. Because many of us don't discover who we are until we are rubbed by imperfect people. (laughs) stop running to the Zaconia people they look nice same kind of church attitude yes kind of like me but they're fake you want to say Lord I'm open to who you're bringing rough imperfect diamonds who you want to use to sharpen my life Many of us are running from the very people that will bring you to healing, bring you to wholeness. I even stopped last night and said, my dad who abused me in my childhood was so terrible in my childhood. I was like, wow, dad, even you, he's with the Lord now. He died. He gave his life to the Lord before he died. But I was like, even you, dad, were the diamond imperfect that God used to rub me. Listen, until empathy came out. I got empathic with you feel for you when you're suffering and had a suffering childhood. Why? Because God allowed, my dad chose his way, but God allowed it and it actually was used and it's been used now to help me, hello number one with compassion, lead the charge to sponsor our 1,100 children in Rwanda. The diamond of imperfection in my dad even is now being used to help a lot of other people. Everybody stop running from the church Stop running from God's house. Stop running from imperfect people because there are diamonds that God has got there to use you. Just give God the old tin box of your thinking and say, Lord, take that. I want the real diamond in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, my gosh. If you're a quiet person, come to the table quietly. Been saying to one of my friends this week, if you don't want to speak, just say, Hey, I don't want to speak right now. Fine. Don't have to. If you're a big talker, maybe you need to pull back a little bit. But there's a place. Just come as you are, everybody. But let's realize God's got diamonds in people in the body of Christ, our local family, who you may not like the look of, but in actual fact, in their imperfection that you can't see, God's going to use them in your life. I told you, when Sue and I went and joined a church where I ended up going to Bible college, my ministry started, I had the wackiest lady come up to talk to Sue and I. So unusual. She sidled up to me and Sue at the church as I get ready to finish. Sue and I were just standing having a coffee, went to visit this church, and she just comes up to Sue and I like this. I was like, what is this woman doing? Looks something out of a scary movie, and then she was like this. To Sue and I, I was like, what is this woman doing? And then she goes to me and, Sue, you too. And I went, yeah, I thought she was a serial killer. What is she? No. (laughs) She's like, you too. God has something here for you. This is your place. She knew nothing. I was like, why do you say that to us? She said, I don't know. I've been praying all week and I feel strongly to say it to you. Well, we listened to her and the rest is history. The imperfect diamond was in the house of God. To help position Sue and I at that key moment in our lives. So many Christians are at home at those key moments thinking about what, why everything, why is everything not perfect? <laughs> why is this not perfect? Why are they not perfect? Why is the church not perfect? And God says, because I used to the imperfect diamonds, you just need to get a new view of my people and my house. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us online today